stuff and she's just like what about higher ed and I was just like oh my god it's so perfect you know so like most things it happened by accident and out of being forced to you know make a decision and make a pivot and make a change Welcome back to To Be Blunt, the cannabis podcast for marketers. I'm your host, Shada Tarabi, and I'm so glad you're joining me today. You are listening to episode two. Now, I'm excited for today's episode because it's with a fellow Austin, Texas cannabis brand. And for those who are new, I own a CBD brand and retail store also here in Austin called Restart CBD. So I'm most active in the Texas cannabis scene. And my guest today, Leah Laxtons, is a fellow female entrepreneur really lighting up this space and someone we love to partner with. So I'm grateful to have her on the show today. Leah owns and operates Higher Education Hemp Tours, so today we're going to sit down with Leah and learn a little more about how marketing plays a mix in building her brand success. Before we light this up, please make sure to like, subscribe, and share. Your support will help this podcast continue to grow. Super excited today because my guest is Leah Laxtons, and I know Leah through her brand Higher Ed Hemp Tours, but to read a little bit of her bio, she's a certified cannabis professional with more than 15 years experience helping entrepreneurs and startup brands grow into multi-million dollar corporations. And as a native Kentuckian, she is passionate about cannabis education, specifically the impact of hemp on local communities. Just to dive into that, I don't know if people are really familiar with kind of the hemp movement, but I didn't know that you were actually from Kentucky, and I know that Kentucky is one of the leading states in passing the federal regulations for hemp, so why don't we kind of dive in there? Yeah, I mean, Kentucky is a really unique place. It reminds me a lot of Texas in a way. I think you see uh, just a lot of similarities in people's viewpoints, Um, but it's very interesting growing up because... In Kentucky, cannabis is sort of, it's like alcohol is terrible, you know, all other drugs, you die immediately on impact, and cannabis is kind of taught to you just like, nah, it's actually great, but like, don't do it because it's illegal, you know, or it was kind of the way my parents uh, described it, and they were super religious, you know, um, very common in Kentucky, very hardcore Baptist uh, in Mm. many parts of the state. But their view on cannabis is just much more open-minded, like versus Cynthia, that uh, my co-founder, her coming from Mexico, it was completely the opposite. Like marijuana is the worst thing you could ever do and everything else is kind of okay. I had the complete different viewpoint on it growing up. So I'd never really tried it, but I didn't have quite the stigma, you know, that maybe some other communities have around cannabis. So it wasn't surprising to me that Kentucky was one of the first states or the first state to under 2014 farm bill start growing. And of course, Mitch McConnell, love them or hate them. Got to give them props for the hemp though. Got to give them props. I mean, we got to give credit where credit's due every now and then, you know, and, and a lot of that was just because of, again, Kentucky, the mentality in Kentucky and he knew that it would be good uh, for the farmers there. And, um, you know, they had been growing hemp under like sort of this weird universe university program at University of Kentucky even before 2014 doing research and stuff like that so really interesting to just kind of see the movement there develop out 
um, and then spread, you know, and really there's such a, a big difference between West Coast and East Coast. I noticed right away when I visited my first farm in Kentucky, I was like, oh, wow, there's just, you guys have no idea about isolates or anything like the West Coast is all about it. You're so all up on the full spectrum, which I loved, you know, so really interesting growing up there and seeing how it's progressed over time. So when you were growing up in Kentucky, did you consume cannabis or at what point did you get introduced to cannabis? And at what point did you come to Austin and found your company? Yeah, so I was really a late bloomer, very late to cannabis. I uh, went to Amsterdam when I was uh, 29. And, um, you know, I think it before that I was just like too busy to care about it. Like there was just always something going on. But at that time, I'd had a pretty major shift in my life around religion, like sort of uh, leaving the religion I had grown up in and, and needing this like clarification. Like I was still a spiritual person, but, you know, not to get too much into that side of it, but it was just like this weird transition point. Went to Amsterdam right at that point, tried cannabis for the first time and was just like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. Like, if this is incredible, what else in the world has been a lie, you know, that people have said? And, and I was just fascinated by it. I, I, we went to Berlin on that trip, and I got some shoes made out of him. And I was like, so cool. it was so cool. I was terrified to wear them in the airport. Because I was like, someone's going to think I'm a stoner, like I'm going to get arrested. You know, just this very bizarre view and not really understanding hemp and marijuana and the differences. And but I was I was hooked. I was then fascinated. So when I got back into sort of my my business role, I started realizing that a lot of people around me consumed cannabis that I had no idea. You know, before that, everybody's like, coming clean. They're like everybody. Oh, yeah, they were like, okay. "Oh, you're in the club now," you know, and like very high profile, extremely successful people. So again, sort of breaking that stigma yeah. that I'd had before that. So I was living in San Antonio at the time, and we moved to Austin in let's see, 2009. So it was just about a year after that we moved to Austin. Of course, the cannabis scene is huge here. Went to Eeyore's birthday, and was just like, "This is this is crazy." And then, of course, experiencing legalization, going to Colorado, seeing what was happening with hemp in Kentucky, um, really had a transition in my business life. I was done with that industry. Um, I still love it, but just there was so much drama and things going on. I was ready for a fresh start. And so um, in 2017, started researching CBD hemp. I went through a lot of, you know, really just went to trade shows for like a whole year and met people to try to figure out what's my place here. What do I do? Where does my skill set fit and our team skill set? And uh, we founded Hemp Tours a year ago. It'll be a year on, in June. And of course, there were other, other tours, you know, around the country as well. But we saw them being so like marijuana focused, which mm -hmm. is great. We thought we could bring something like that, but unique into the hemp world. And and I'm really proud of what we've done. I, I think we've we've done a decent job, a pretty good job of doing that. I think y'all have done an amazing job. I think we uh, launched Restart almost two years ago now. So we're coming up on a two-year anniversary, which is really exciting. But I just, I reflect back on the market kind of before we got involved. And a lot of times people reflect on our brand and they're like, y'all were really smart to get in when you did. And I, I'm similar to you. I was just looking for a career shift and change and had this passion for cannabis and just kind of saw an opportunity to 
build a brand and to create a narrative and to help educate consumers on this plant that we all obviously love. But I think it's one thing to catch the wave and then it's another thing to help then guide the current. And I think that y'all have done a really good job guiding that current, especially from the perspective of Austin, from Texas and cannabis. Um, and so that's ultimately why I wanted to talk to you because I just think that y'all have done a really good job building a brand in a state that is not super cannabis friendly on a, on a legal level. Right. right. So At I the think state level, of, it's a little iffy. Yeah. Yeah. We've got a lot of hurdles that we're working through. And so kind of, you know, one of those questions is, you know, thankfully CBD is legal in Texas, but from your perspective, how have our wonky laws affected how you're marketing hemp tours? You know, there's definitely been issues with online marketing. In the beginning, we were able to run some ads on Facebook and I really didn't think it was going to be an issue because I, I thought, well, I'm not really selling products. You know, really 2018 Farm Bill had already passed. I thought we were just like going to blow it away with, with ads. And uh, very shortly thereafter, you know, got our Facebook ad account shut down, everything shut down. Uh, with no explanation still as to why because i just want to know like what did i do so i cannot do that again but you know as you well know i'm sure it's like you don't really get a why it's just a, a no so um that being said i think we had enough of a little wave that it it start then the word of mouth started and inside cannabis it's such a grassroots industry i find that people really want you know authenticness from brands from all of us which is great because we're very authentic people. That's what we like too. So we don't have to kind of go out of that box. Um, but just sort of then the word of mouth spread and Austin being a very cannabis friendly community and then sort of playing the in-between of like, I want to draw people that are into high THC cannabis and, and educate them and sort of convert them, but not being so, hard to swallow for people who maybe still have stigmas about marijuana. So you're always sort of towing that line of like fun, but like we're hemp though, you know, yeah. back and forth. There's definitely a lot of, as someone who I love, like being able to say this, like I, I consume marijuana. I consume all types of cannabis, high THC, low THC, everything in between. Uh, but, you know, like you said, reflecting on our business too, we see both sides of the consumers. We see the people who are, okay, I'll try hemp because I'm in Texas and it's not legal. So I'm familiar with marijuana, but what is this? And then you get the people who are, I've never put it in my body. I've never touched it. Is this going to make me high if I have trace amounts of, you know, CBD and THC in my system? And you're like, okay, how do we then go create a dialogue? But I think it's really... Yeah really exciting opportunity. You know, I'm a born and raised Texan. So for me, this is like, whoa, I never thought like growing up as like a teenager that like I watch weeds and I used to see Nancy Botwin and, you know, I knew California, I knew Colorado, but I never thought in Texas we'd have this conversation. So to be in Texas in the height of it, you're just like, this is really cool, but it's so new. And so I think a lot of people, what I'm hoping get from this uh, podcast is just understanding some of the nuances that I think people don't really realize when they're getting into cannabis. I think you touched on it when you were talking about ads, you know, the amount of people that I talk to who, who suggest very rudimentary marketing tactics to me. And yeah. I have to be like, I can't do those things. Like, <laughs> yes. Of course I would do it if I could do it. And, and then I think there's a threshold too of, 
you know, you might see, I think Facebook is changing a little bit these days. I've seen some brands get away with advertising, but then I think it's to your kind of acknowledgement too, you could spend the money and it could maybe stay up or they could shut your ad down and then you lose that money and that time and that effort. And so depending on yes. where you're at with your brand, with your finances, it just might not be the smartest way. And so that's why I think, again, having a conversation where we can highlight maybe some of the alternative ways that we've found success in the industry. Yeah. So definitely. I'm going to back up a little bit for you. I want you to tell me what higher ed hemp tours, you know, the brand, like where did the name come from? What is your value proposition? What are your brand values? I think setting the tone for people to realize it's not just like putting tours out there, like there's an intention behind what you're doing. We say basically we're an education company, you know, masquerading as a tour company, because really that's at the heart of it, it's education. And our mission is to connect an educated consumer with a verified brand. You know, we see on both sides that there, there really was a disconnect. Here, you know, people are nervous about what brands are good or bad based on things they've heard, FDA and all of that. And then on the other side, you know, they're not really educated to the point they can honestly always make that choice. So we wanted to make it easier for them to just say, hey, look, these are the brands that we've went through a basic verification with. You know, we know they have insurance. We know that they care about their customers and have lab reports. And we interview the brands to make sure that it's a good fit uh, for us, you know, and it, it's been really exciting to see the brands that are really awesome, that it's so easy. And of course, there have been some that then don't qualify. And I feel like it's a nice bar setter for them to just be like, hey, you know, this is what everyone else is doing. Let's, let's get you there as well, or you need to be there to participate in this. So um, without really a lot of regulations here, we wanted to step in and take just a little bit of that responsibility. Uh, the name, you know, Hemp Tours, it seemed like a cool name. I couldn't believe it wasn't taken. So I was just like, yeah, we're Hemp Tours. So then I went to Trademark It and found out that Hemp Tours is a description of a service and not oh, man. Uh, able to be trademarked. So that was an interesting lesson for me to learn. So we we're sitting in the office. I'm just brainstorming with Cynthia. Like, what would be, what can we put before Hemp Tours to differentiate ourselves? And uh, she's been in education forever, uh, written curriculum for colleges and stuff. And she's just like, what about higher ed? And I was just like, oh my God, it's so perfect. You know, so like most things, it happened by accident and out of being forced to, you know, make a decision and make a pivot, make a change. So um, yeah, so it's been awesome. That's so cool. Yeah, I think most people get hung up on the name or the idea and I'm going to plug him again. I listened to a lot of Gary Vee. He's like, what does Adidas mean? What does Nike mean? They built brands. Yes. You build a brand and then you make the name, whatever it is. Obviously, your name is very uh, tongue in cheek for the industry that you're in. It's very easily to be identifiable of what it is that you do. It has the tie into higher education, which being a very education first brand makes that narrative a little bit easier. But yeah, I think people get so hung up in the conceptualization of their brand that they don't actually think through what they're building sometimes. And so, yeah, it's really so nice to, to just, you know, hear from real people who are doing it. And now people ask us all the time, where did Restart come from? And if I'm being honest, there's three really good stories that all have nothing to do with each other that could justify <laughs> why we named it that, but that's the name of the brand and it works. And so, you know, you, you can awesome. build it around once you just start putting that in action. So 
Okay. I love that. You talked a little bit about some of your marketing channels, you know, word of mouth, you've dabbled in ads, but I want to know right now, what are the top three marketing channels that you're pursuing for higher ed hemp tours? Uh, for sure. Social media. We started with Instagram because I just think cannabis so is visually so appealing and also our demographic here in Austin uh, being younger, you know, we were going to start in Austin and grow out, which is what's happened. Um, and then I should have got on the Facebook train a little earlier as far as really developing our page because it's really been super successful because of that demographic as well. And we do tweak it just a little bit. That's less cannabis, you know, less like cannabis lifestyle, more uh, education, whereas Instagram's a little more cannabis lifestyle going again to the demographics on on those two fronts. LinkedIn is also huge inside of cannabis. And I was late to that one too. And then once I got on, I was just like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. You know, people just message. I'm like, book a call with me. Okay, cool. Let's see what you're up to. You know, so crazy how big LinkedIn is crazy. Um, so I would say that definitely is our main channel. Secondarily, especially as far as consumer outreach, we do a lot of non-cannabis and non-hemp events, mm -hmm. obviously pre-COVID, but wellness expos, construction expos, places where people really wouldn't expect to see someone talk about hemp or cannabis. And that plays really well for us since we don't really have products to sell. It's just education. We get so many questions you know, from all over the board from people that are just fascinated by it and the branding and everything as well. Uh, and then third channel definitely being our website. You know, we have a free intro to hemp course on there that helps us build our newsletter. We really don't push out a newsletter very often. We hold it back for just special events. We do about four a year. Uh, just because I, you know, I, I hate newsletters personally, unless if I really love it, I don't mind it like every couple months. Uh, so we wanted to be, you know, just sort of nudging with it for now and, and letting people know who we are, but not in their face all the time about it. So I think that's the three major channels that have given us growth outside of the word of mouth. That's great. I want to touch on for everybody, the importance of a website, whether you're purely informative with your content or whether you are selling products or you're trying to you know, sell your services. I think people jump immediately to all these social media platforms, but not realizing that your website is what you ultimately own. And some two cents yes. from my side of the house. I'd be curious actually what your website is built on, but we use WordPress. Yes, I'm a huge WordPress fan, but I got kind of up in the Russell Brunson ClickFunnels uh, cult a couple years ago, and I just love a lot. Uh, I love the ease of it. You know, when I do WordPress, I always have to have uh, an IT person come back through it and tweak it, and there's a lot of updates. There's a lot of maintenance involved. So we do have our blogs built on WordPress, and our consulting site, LS Naturals, is built on WordPress. But Higher Ed Hemp Tours was built out on ClickFunnels. And uh, it's, you know, that was a big learning curve. It's been a lot of fun. There's a ton of functionality. Cynthia's always finding something that I didn't quite finish or, you know, what we want to add a new page. Uh, so it's to each their own. I, but, you know, it's, it's a definitely a good one to try as well, especially if you're trying to get that conversion or send them to a course or send them to some kind of, 
that Get them through a funnel really yes. is like I think what people need to understand and two, yes. just to reiterate for anybody listening your website is your primary and so everything is a conduit from the website and then thinking of your website is like where all your words are your social SEO what is being crawled on the internet should be really home you know homepage headquartered at your website and so for sure. I think too for people who are leveraging digital platforms which again we all should be really figuring out the right platform at the beginning not that you can't replatform at a later date but i think what you build your business on kind of in the first couple months and year is really it, it can make or break you because yes. it's just your website is is again like that home base and you want to make sure that it's functioning properly and you so, don't want to rebuild it like you just want to do it that first time so choose work. wisely yes but again so many website platforms are anti-cannabis or yes. anti-certain products so again depending on what you're selling or what your funnel is just be mindful of that as you're setting things up so yeah y'all are an experiential tour so most of your business is happening like more in person you're selling a service versus transacting a product Yes. Um, and so I think there's a lot of stuff for people to keep in mind in these conversations you are you know business to consumer, not B2B. There's not a wholesale aspect necessarily for higher and hemp tours. So just a lot exactly. of, you know, different stuff for people to keep in mind as they're navigating what would work best for them. So my next question is y'all have done a really good job building a community when there really wasn't one. So again, a testament to the hard work that you've come in and done in the city and state. But how did you go about doing that with the non-existent market for cannabis products in Texas? Like people didn't, I mean, we just talked about people didn't know and the people who knew, I mean, even myself as someone who consumed a lot of marijuana, I didn't really know what hemp was before I had my, you know, experience with it. So how do you come in and educate people on things that they don't even know that they need? Yeah, I think it starts with, you know, your friends and family and then sort of grows out of there. We also were very successful with Meetup. I know you were as well. Uh, there really were no great hemp meetups even. I mean, there's still kind of only a, a couple of us, I think, on there. So uh, it was a great place to capture the interest that had built through 2017. So we started with just some free meetups kind of feeling out what people knew, what they didn't know, with not really any agenda other than figuring out what people wanted um, out of it. So Meetup is huge. Uh, I think, you know, they do, it, it's just a fantastic platform. And as we get back, obviously, out of the virtual world, it's been great for virtual as well, but it's, it's really just a fantastic platform. People like that in community and finding people who are like-minded to them. So I totally get that. That's like a good place to start because it's already like, like I saw Facebook had a commercial and it was like for people who like to blow bazookas or kazoos or whatever they were like little, and it's like, I think a similar concept, you know, go to Facebook and you know, you create the group for the use that don't exist. And so I think so much of what y'all do is very similar to how our mission and philosophy is with how we're running our cannabis brand and it's just like you don't have to wait for someone to like invite you to the party you create the party yes. and so again to highlight that for people listening whether you're in a super saturated market like california or denver uh or even washington 
or a state like Texas, where we have some sentiment here in Austin, but it's obviously not a legal state for all of cannabis. So you have still a lot of, I think, like roadblocks to go through. It's like you create that community and those people will show up and, and help you build it. So I think that's really, really a simple idea that most people don't understand. They're like, well, hey, I don't see anybody doing what I want to do. It's like, create it. Yes. You can create it. You can be that, you know, leader in your community. And be consistent on it because obviously it is time consuming, but if you're consistent and you keep providing value, then, you know, it's just, it's going to be so valuable for you in the long, long run. And obviously it's great to interact with other organizations, you know, nonprofits, Texas Normal, other meetups, but when you have your own meetup, you're able to craft that message a little more and use it for whatever it is that you're focused on with your brand. I love that. I think that's a really key point is the consistency and it's not to steer people away from starting things. It's just to really level set. I think you see brands that are growing and they're being successful because they're consistent. You know, yes. it's not just like, Hey, I'm going to have a meetup and then you get a whole bunch of people to join and then you never have a meetup and that's not growing. And so when you look at these brands that have these big followings or all this success or all this media, it's like somebody was putting in the work every day to build it to be that. And so I'll kind of ask you this question, how much time would you say you dedicate to marketing activities that, how do I word this? Like you're not really getting paid to do like these meetups, maybe are free meetups, you're starting the business. I think a lot of people are looking for like, I want to get my brand out there and I want to make sales. Like how much of the work did you do up front before you actually started getting paid from it? Yeah, I mean, you know, we've really just started to monetize um, recently, so it was really almost two years. Obviously, maybe that's uh, a little slower than, say, a brand would have, but I think you just have to build that authenticity, and if you do it that way, that slow build, then it's so much easier once you do start to charge and monetize because people really trust you already. They know that you are in it to provide a value they feel like they've already received that value so they're more apt to you know become a, a really strong follower of your brand uh, time wise you know it it is a lot of time you know I think we're we for the first year we're doing like one meetup a month and uh, you know between the marketing we have a creative director that's 30 hours a week that does Instagram does all of the marketing handles the meetup so there is a lot of time involved inside of it for sure, but it's so worth it once, you know, you get out there and keep doing it. Yeah. It's the consistency. It's having a little bit of a vision and just figuring out. And I think you touched on it in the beginning. So I'll kind of round it out now. There's not one thing that has done, you know, the hockey stick puck growth. I think people are always looking for that quick fix. And you touched on LinkedIn. I recently got into LinkedIn myself and I've seen a lot of growth by me just participating in LinkedIn for the past couple of weeks, but yeah. it's figuring out, I think, especially in this industry, it's not getting married to a channel or an outcome or a project. And it's being flexible with like, like obviously y'all do in-person events and what's happening with coronavirus has caused a lot of shift to that. Now that could take a hit to your business or it could create an opportunity. And I think that you guys have done a good job creating that opportunity. I don't want to speak for you and be like, hey, everything's easy and you managed <laughs> right. it successfully. Right. But I think, um, 
especially in this industry where so much regulations puts roadblocks in our way, we have to be ready to pivot and shift because that's just the nature of being in such a new and disruptive industry. So maybe you could touch on that too, especially being an event driven business, especially in this time. No doubt. You know, it's, you have, I say a month in cannabis is like a year in any other industry. Everything changes. You almost throw everything out the window, you know, every few weeks. So I think all of us were sort of like, Oh, another super hard pivot. Uh, I did that three months ago. <laughs> You know, so you just get used to it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Hashtag hemp industry life. So, you know, it was awesome for us because we had some projects that we've been wanting to push forward online that we just had not had time for because we've been so busy with all the in-person stuff and South by and all this prep. So once it all happened, you know, I did spend the first week sort of like in a woe is me, poor me kind of mindset. It was, you know, just a little difficult and I fortunately did have my cannabis run before that. So that helped a little bit. And then after the first week, I was just like, all right, you know, let's get back up. Let's, how can we make the best out of this? How can we turn this into a positive? And I looked at all of these projects we had half done, online courses, website redos we needed to do, uh, virtual tours. And we were just like, all right, no, we're busy. We have work to do. Let's go do it. So you, you know, just, I don't want to say get over it is it exactly that sounds kind of harsh, but in a way you just have to make yourself sort of get over it and work through it and figure out how this can play to your strengths and use it as an opportunity to increase your online presence and your interaction because people are at home watching a lot of stuff. We are, you know, I've done so many webinars the last eight weeks so you're able to capture people that you couldn't before and you're able to be in webinars with really great brand owners who you would never really get to talk to in person or you would pay thousands for to see at a conference now free and you can interact with them so it's brought a lot of positives although you know obviously we probably would have liked to have all just stayed everything the same but we can make a positive out of anything if we try hard enough yeah, I think that's a really great outlook to have. It's just, you know, not only because of the situation that we're in with coronavirus, but also just to remind people this industry keeps you on your toes. Sometimes I reflect back on just being in this space for two years. I'm like, I have aged a lot. I have You're an OG. A lot. <laughs> OG, I know, but it's so exciting too, because I think for those of us who have stuck through it, you're really getting more comfortable with the chaos of it. And I think that's where you really start to create that trust from a brand perspective. And, and people are forgiving. I think that's um, a yeah. thing I want to highlight too. You know, nobody's there being like, well, this is this, or that's supposed to be that. Like for us, we've learned a lot with our labels. You know, there's no regulation on what needs to be on my label, but I would like there to be information that helps the consumer at the end of the day. So let me go help them have better information in front of their fingertips. It's not something that they know to ask for, but it's something that I want to offer to them because that's the type of business owner I want to be in this space. So it's creating yes. a lot of um, maybe extra work to level up the industry, but at the same time, it's exciting because we're all helping shape that. So I think you said that earlier, and I think it's just really, really cool. We're really getting to help shape it, whether you're in Austin, whether you're in Texas, whether you're in the United States. I mean, you talked about Amsterdam a little bit too, 
I have family in Amsterdam, so I've been very oh, blessed so to cool. go to the, the motherland for many a trips. And uh, yeah, I think you look at a country like the Netherlands, for anybody who's not aware, the Netherlands is, is I might butcher this, but I think this is pretty accurate. They're not technically legal. Yeah. It's just like an understood Permitted, I think permitted. they say. So I saw some article recently, it's talking about how big hemp agriculture is getting in America. And you have a lot of people in the Netherlands who are really great growers, but they are stifled because it's not technically legal in their country. And so you have people who have these really cool ideas to go implement into cannabis and they can't. And so they're kind of coming to America. And so you have this country that's had cannabis, you know, comfortability and accessibility for many, many decades. But then you have a country like America where it's fairly new, but we're, you know, all of a sudden becoming one of the leaders in this space. And so I just think, you know, to set the tone for people, things are happening very fast. And it doesn't matter if you're in the THC side in a legal state or in the CBD side in a non-legal state, but very much wishes to be a legal state. Um, There's a lot that we can all kind of be learning. And so, yeah, I think this is just like a really fun conversation to be having because there's so much shifting that's being done. And so to touch on what you said too, you mentioned that y'all are doing virtual tours, which I love. And I want to know, were you doing virtual tours before coronavirus? Or was that something that was like a project that you were like, hey, let's lean into this now that this is kind of the situation that we're in? We found last year, we started on Instagram, just kind of making little trips. We went down to the valley and we Instagram lived with some shops and the response was amazing you know consumers loved it and i kind of thought well duh they like the tour so why wouldn't they like that so we had saved all of that footage with the mindset of oh in like a year we'll edit it and do something with it so with corona kicking in we we got it up and i actually just recently got a vr camera so i'm going to hit you up later to try to get out and and do a little vr so we're going to make it even more interactive right now it's just sort of That's so cool. videos we've captured interviews because you know the story is so much of it when people are choosing a brand there are differences in the quality no doubt but a lot of what draws people is to the brand that they end up choosing or loving is the story. So just wanted to share all those stories so that people can resonate with whatever they end up resonating with. And so many of the shops are, are completely different. You know, here in Austin, you guys, the three leaders we have are completely different, you know, and you all resonate with a certain consumer segment and you all do amazing. And then some of the other ones that are just kind of like, we have CBD everywhere. They're having a little more difficult time finding traction, obviously, because they haven't really honed in on who their target audience or customer is. So they're just like trying to market to everyone and pick up business everywhere, which I don't think really works in this industry because it's, it's the authenticity and the commitment to the mission that you guys clearly display that draws people in to keep coming back, you know? No, I appreciate that highlight. And I think, yeah, that's, my, you know, word of wisdom as well for anybody listening, it really comes down to being comfortable telling your story. And when I speak on marketing at these cannabis conferences, I talk a lot about figuring out what your unique brand voice is. But so many times I get confronted with people who are like, oh, well, if Shada's public speaking or if Leah's public speaking, I should also be doing those things. And, you know, the reality is, is we're not all great at everything. And so it's realizing what your strengths are and 
being open to kind of pivoting that. And so, yeah, I think unfortunately there's a green rush right now. Everybody's rushing to market and there's, it's just super saturated. And it's just like, how do you cut through that noise? And so if you don't have a compelling story, you don't have a brand, you don't have a why it's really hard to get people convinced to buy that product. And so I love that you highlighted that because we say it all the time, you know, CBD is CBD. As long as you're finding a really high quality brand, you know, they have their test results, you know, you have some sort of comfortability with them. It's why do you like buying from them? Because you like their packaging, you like the label, you like the content that they're creating. And so I think it was smart for you guys to pivot um, in this time and hopefully to continue sharing those types of videos, because I think people want to, they're fascinated, you know, the amount of people who walk into our retail shop. And at first, I mean, I don't think I've ever shared this publicly, but like our shop, we sell a lot of flour. And so it smells like cannabis in the shop mm-hmm. when you walk in smells amazing first, it smells amazing but i think at first we were a little like oh this is too much like we cannot smell like this and now it's kind of become like a signature thing where people come in and they're like oh my gosh like i wanted to come have this experience like so we recently opened up to um austin has a little bit more i guess relaxed laws thankfully and also we're taking precaution where we can um so we have people who have been able to come into the shop and they're like I've been watching you on the internet and I've been waiting and I want to see the store in person. It's like being able to be a brand like yourself that's creating that content to give people that inside look into something that maybe is scary or, you know, nerve wracking just to give them that peace of mind and connect them with that brand, I think is really smart. So yes. Yeah. And you guys do such a content. You do such a great job with your store design because it smells like this, but you walk in and you're like, I'm in this amazing pharmacy. And then you see the wall and you're like, hemp smell pharmacy. And boom, you just broke all the stigmas. Like without like saying a word, it's just yes. like, boom, stigma is broken. You. Come on in, get your hemp. So I think that's a great message for any brand retailer trying to start up for sure is Thank you. like find what it is. It's resonating and then break all the stigmas, you know, with just straight up when they walk in store. Yeah. And I think the exciting part too, is there's different cities and there's different vibes to those cities. And I know being from Texas, Austin is probably one of the leaders in the more, you know, relaxed approach to cannabis, but seeing how some of these other brands have taken off, like in San Antonio, I don't find as many shops that I recognize like brands doing a good job, but I see a lot more brands like actual products. And so I think that's really exciting to see some of these different markets, you know, depending on where you're at, like the opportunity is really there. I had a friend, she worked in restaurants. She did marketing for this restaurant group and then just talk about it because it's such a fun, interesting, you know, hopefully inspire somebody to think through some of these processes. She is not a chef, but she worked with these chefs. She's in Phoenix. So Phoenix, I believe is medicinally legal for marijuana. I think they're working on recs. Their dispensaries are opening, but she was working with this chef. The chef is like a famous chef in Phoenix and he's now making edibles. And she's now his director of marketing and helping market this edible brand. And I'm just like, Yeah, like I just, I look forward to those days, especially being in Austin where we have such a like heavy food scene, like incorporating some of this excitement into cannabis into other areas. And so I think too, with what y'all do, you do have the product component because that's ultimately what you're connecting people with, but you're kind of this ancillary idea to get people exposed to cannabis and educated with cannabis. And so just to get people's, you know, creative juices flowing, you don't have to sell CBD oil. 
I don't know exactly. if a CBD bed frame is or a CBD <laughs> blanket is also relevant. We could debate that in the comments, but yes. you know, it's just like, what are, what are your skills? What are your strengths? You mentioned like Cynthia comes from like education and background that is totally in line with who she is as a person. And it's not such a far stretch for her to go bring that into the brand. So yeah, and you guys for doing that too. Any entrepreneur journey, you have to love it so much that you're going, that it's not a job because that's when you succeed. You end up putting in a crazy number of hours, but you don't even notice because you love it so much. So you have to really love this and know that it's not always overnight success, even though it looks like restart just killed it from day one. You know, there was planning here. There was a process that you guys went through and you put in the elbow grease, you continue to do it. So, and I think on the food, I'm really excited about it. It looks like DSHS is gonna back off from any kind of stance on edibles, which is awesome. And as much as I would love everyone to buy from one-on-one, -on -one, someone very educated on him, I think getting it out through bars and restaurants is going to increase consumer adoption. Uh, and then they'll come back to the shops to get the education later. So I do love that this is gonna be a channel that's gonna be available for him in Texas so far, fingers crossed. Texas, <laughs> she's up to some crazy things, but gotta love her. Uh-huh. Gotta love her. Let me touch on one thing that you guys have done really well. Just again, speaking on the education platform, you've launched free courses. I saw that you make all your staff complete the UNLV cannabis course. Yes. What value does that add back to your brand by starting with education, investing in education? Like, again, obviously it's like you're putting the work in up front, not necessarily having the outcome yet. So tell me about that. Yeah, it's kind of a hard one in this industry because there are not a lot of certified courses. We went in like, okay, what college is, you know, doing a course and, and uh, there are not really any ASTM training standards out yet. I think those are in the works right now. So we'll start to see more structured education going forward. Uh, so just make sure, you know, you, it's so important to educate yourself, but make sure you're getting accurate education because there's a lot of sort of misinformation out there as well or money making being made off the education nothing totally wrong with that but it's to me when it comes from uh, a college it's a bit more bona fide um, and and certainly like Oaksterdam there are some colleges like that that yes. do a great job uh, Greenflower Media so we found UNLV it's it has great uh, fantastic series of courses pets and cannabis uh, really all of them are awesome so we went that route to you know, just get a baseline and so that you have that credential that people can look at something. Okay, this person has went and educated themselves somehow, even though maybe I learned more from just going to farms and talking to people. I also had that structured idea of what it was all about. Yeah, I think just to echo that sentiment, you know, but people don't realize marketing and cannabis, you're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place because legally, you can't say that cannabis does any one thing. And so, especially in a brand perspective, you're trying to create differentiation. You're also trying to connect consumers to understand why they would take your product. I mean, the amount of people who DM us to restarts Instagram and they say, I want to take CBD for anxiety. How much and what do I take? I'm like, oh, how do I yes. answer this in a safe way? level setting way that helps them understand something but also doesn't put me in a bind and so i think 
we've seen that happen on a federal level where I think the FDA went and issued some warnings to about 15 brands, some very large and some pretty small, just to, I think, make a point of there's nobody who's really safe. And so you really need to do your due diligence and watch what you're saying. But I do think educational platforms and courses can at least help give you a baseline to speak about the plant from a place of more science. Like I love talking to people about the cannabinoids or the terpenes and getting them to understand why CBD as a cannabinoid works is because you have an endocannabinoid system. You know, I don't necessarily understand all the nuances and why CBD is at this versus THC at that, you know, but to be able to get people to understand ultimately it's a plant. It has this function with your body naturally. It just gives them a little bit more comfortability. And so I just saw you guys did that. For I also sure. did the UNLV course. They're really reasonable. Yeah. And again, not that it's the like end all be all, but it's a really good place to get started and to be educated on this plant and to help sure. have that translate through your marketing. Um, I love this question. So we're about to wrap it up. So this has been a really good conversation. I'm really excited. I'll, I'll leave it a little bit open-ended if there's anything that you want to add, but um, I know you speak at conferences nationally. I know you work with a lot of brands through featuring them in hemp tours and just vetting them. So I want to know this can be any brand CBD or THC, but what is one cannabis brand that you just think is killing it and why? I love this question. It's so hard because I love, I love them all, you know, but uh, I love all the good ones. But to me, Willie's Remedy, Willie's Reserve, and not just because they're here in Austin, like just I've seen a lot. Elizabeth Hogan kills it. She's an amazing, you know, brand manager for that brand. And I think the reason why they kill it is they're here because they're here to stay forever and they love him. They're so passionate about cannabis. And, you know, it's stuff Willie tried and loved and wanted to get out to the people. So they come from this place of sharing versus I need to monetize tomorrow. And I think that's been why they've been extremely successful across the country. And they've obviously paved the way because when they came out with the coffee, it was still a little gray area, kind of a little rough. And they've been willing to take on the federal, state, all regulators and, and explain it and not be worried about like, well, we're the first one, we're paving the way for all these other coffee brands. They don't care. They just want cannabis everywhere. That's and right. I love that about their mission. I love their branding. You know, I love Willie, of course. So to me, they're killing the game. I love that. Yeah, they have done such a good job. I remember he makes both hemp and marijuana products. And I yes. was in Colorado and I got to purchase my first legal Willie's. Uh, I guess it was Willie's Remedy, but it was his uh, Loose Bud. And I was oh, like, yeah. I'm smoking weed with Willie Nelson. Yes. And for anybody who is remotely familiar with Austin, Texas, music culture, ACL, he is like the quintessential like musician in Texas. And like one of the leaders when it comes to cannabis uh, public consumption. And Definitely. so you can always find the crowds at a Willie Nelson show, smelling of the bud, and he's obviously very public about it. And so I think, yeah, you highlighted a really key thing that I think is important for people to realize too. And, and again, so much of the foundation of what I hope this podcast can be, it's, I want us to be blunt. I want us to acknowledge where we're having hardships and where we've pushed the boundaries and where we've created more space for this conversation 
to happen at a more public level. And so I'm just super grateful to get to know you, to get to be in a community alongside you. I'm excited for the future of everything that y'all do at Higher Ed Hemp Tours. And I just appreciate your time, Leah. So thank you. Can you let our listeners know where to find you online? And if there's anything else you want to add for today's episode? Yeah, definitely. I love what you're doing here. I love your social media presence because you're very genuine and you always come from the heart and uh, just always am like, Shade is on Instagram. What's she saying today? You know, so thank you. I'm honored to be your first guest here. I think this is going to be amazing for the community going forward. You can find us online at higheredhemptours.com, on Instagram at hemptours, and on Facebook at official hemptours. And uh, we're doing a live stream for the next few weeks. You joined us a a few weeks back every Thursday, 1 to 2 p.m. So if you want to just kind of interact and check that out, it's on Facebook Live. I think we're going to continue that through June uh, 2020. So it's been an absolute pleasure to be here. I wish everyone the ultimate success. And I can't wait until we get that 0.5 cap raised here in Texas and we get some real, real bud down here. Reach. Thank you so much, Leah. I appreciate having you on the show today. I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. Links to follow both me, Shada, and our guest, Leah, are linked below. As a reminder, I'll be posting new episodes each week on Monday for Marketing Monday. And if you enjoyed and want to be reminded next time a new episode gets released, please make sure to like, subscribe, and share. Your support will help this podcast continue to grow. Thanks for listening to To Be Blunt, the cannabis podcast for marketers. I'm your host, Shada Tarabi, signing off until next week. Thank you for listening.